Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So we're back with a more normal show than last week. If you listened last week, that was our one-year anniversary podcast, and we talked about the origins of the show. We kind of uh, laid together the full timeline. Many of you have responded that you really appreciated that, because we've given bits and pieces through the years. But it was also fun for us. It was like a weird walk down memory lane to think about <laughs> You're right. how did we meet and how did the show start, and it was, it was crazy. It was kind of an interesting- Definitely uh, not normal, yeah. as you said. It was fun, No, definitely not normal. <laughs> Yeah, very true. So tonight we're actually going to try to get back to the reason the show is called The Car Debate, and that is you guys writing in with your requests. If you have your own car debate, I'm going to go ahead and say this now. TV at Gmail is where to reach us. We're getting piles of email, which is great, but just know that you're sending stuff in now, and there's a lot of it coming in, and we're doing the best we can. We are reading it all. We probably won't get to it all, but please keep sending it in. Tonight we have two very different ones. We've got Jonathan writing to us in Montreal. His family is looking for kind of their third and fun car, but uh, his family is he and his wife and their little son, and so they've got some very specific things there. Plus, we've got Heather in Miami, and she's she's actually a serious car girl, which is awesome. Yeah, that's in spite cool. of dealing with Miami traffic, so she's trying to figure out what is her next car. She's owned a good wide range of things, and she's a lawyer who's just chasing what's my next fun car. So we'll talk about Heather as well. So both those car debates are coming up this evening. Yeah, that's going to be fun. First, though, I'd like to dive in and say that we're not generally uh, a news outlet. But we like to talk about timely things, especially this mm -hmm. one. And that is <laughs> an article that came out about hacking Jeeps. And mm -hmm. it kind of caught my eye, and then I dove in who a little do more. I, who, do I own that, who do I know that owns a Jeep? There's somebody uh, I know. Give me a minute. It's going to come to me. <laughs> somebody I know has a Jeep, a new Jeep. <laughs> I don't remember. The words remember. caught Keep my going. eye. They, they caught my eye, and then I dove in. And all you have probably seen this article, if you haven't, this is an article in Wired Magazine. It's online by a writer named Andy Greenberg, and it's about hackers remotely killing a Jeep on the highway with him in it while it's driving. And, and many other things. I mean, they kind, kind of, of like poltergeist this Jeep. They kind of poltergeist the Jeep. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it because, yeah, they did. They, they dove in deep into the electronics of this thing. They changed the radio. They screwed with the transmission, the steering, the brakes, all the dashboard functions, everything by these two hackers. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. yeah, this has gotten my attention. In addition to everything else that's going on, Fiat Chrysler being in the middle of a $105 million fine from the NHTSA for recalls like airbags and yeah. other fuel tank madness from prior cars, I will say prior to the bailout. So, true, mm, true, true. okay, but still... There's a FCA is in the news. I'm going, all right, I've got a Jeep. I do have the 8.4 inch Uconnect infotainment system in my car. Yes, and you do. It works great. As a matter of fact, of, of all the new cars that I've driven lately, I like this the best. It's very easy and intuitive to use, but it it's very cool system, hacker yeah. friendly, which is rather yeah, concerning. Apparently. And so I wanted to touch on this because I thought, all right, I read the article. 
And yes, it was staged. It was planned. Obviously, mm-hmm, he wasn't mm-hmm. driving along and, you know, two hackers thought, eh, I'm going to dive into this car. So, yes, it was staged and planned. The fact that it can happen, uh, yeah. Am I mm-hmm, super concerned mm-hmm. right now? Well, no. There's a lot of Jeeps in the yeah. mountains, a lot of Jeeps here in Utah. And yeah. I don't get the idea that hackers are going to start you know, hey, the door's wide open. We had no idea. Let's go after every Jeep we see. There's that weird thing that happens in hackerdom where you either become a criminal or somebody turns your forces for good. You get hired by a security company. (laughs) Somebody hires you for the sheer purpose of break into our stuff. And that's what's happened here. I mean, this is essentially an ongoing research project that's gone very well, or depending upon which side of the Chrysler equation you're on, very badly. But ultimately... They're not releasing anything to the public that they have not already released to the manufacturer, so the manufacturer can hopefully be a step ahead in providing a patch. But ultimately, you're right. What we're creating is a world where, where it, your system's Wi-Fi based. I mean, that's essentially the back door yeah. they're dealing with. You yeah. have a rolling Wi-Fi hotspot, which means if you can get an IP address, you can theoretically, in the most mundane situation, track the vehicle, and in the most concerning variation, hack the vehicle. Yeah, I, I'm looking at this, and I've just read a new article here about owners having three options to get this new patch, this latest software patching the hole, essentially, and that is to download it now, do it yourself, mm-hmm. wait for a USB mm-hmm. stick from FCA, and that means they're going to be spending gobs of money in addition to this fine to yep. send oh, out yeah, USB yeah, yeah, yeah. sticks with the patch, or I could take it to the dealer. And yes, mm-hmm. I got. I need to get it fixed here very soon. Am I freaking out and not driving the car? No. I'm going to keep driving my car. It's operating just yeah. fine, and I'm not fearing hackers. But on a side note, there's going to be a movie made about autonomous vehicles, and the way the evil villain You're right. does his thing You're right. is he hacks all the cars and makes them crash into each other, or they all go off a cliff like lemmings, or something, and that's going to be the premise. I mean, you're a screenwriter and a filmmaker. It's, it's funny. Surely it's this funny is coming. You, it's funny you, the non-filmmaker, thought of that, because it's exactly <laughs> right? what I thought. What I thought is, in a world of autonomous cars, if you want to rob a bank, you tell every autonomous vehicle in the area to turn around and go away from the bank, including cops. So now everything is making a beeline away from your central point. Right. Here's, here's a free screenplay uh, <laughs> plot line to somebody out there. Exactly. Everybody is driving perfectly away from where you want to commit your crime. And so there's no way for traffic to go the other direction. And you've essentially created your own roadblock. I mean, that's, that's where we're headed in the world of screenwriting. But you also bring up an interesting point. You were talking about all the stuff they were changing. And it, it made me think about this reality. Electric steering racks. Right. Electric steering racks, now, for the first time, your steering is connected to an algorithm. Right. Hydraulic steering racks don't have an algorithm. No, they're mechanical. In, in, the, most, in, the, in the most mundane situation, your electric steering rack, and I mean, come on, I've got one on the FRS. What it does is it controls the feel. It changes the feel while giving you power steering. And a lot of cars, you know, pick your car here. You can do your eco or sport or whatever. And most of the time what it's changing is your steering feel. The algorithm is changing and changing the amount of force. Well, it stands to reason if you can change the amount of force with the algorithm, you can change what it's doing with the algorithm. I don't know that for sure. I'm not a Mm. computer hacker. but But once you've connected the feel and the force of steering to ones and zeros, can't you start telling those ones and zeros to what they actually should do? 
Uh, Infinity is taking notes. Actually, they already have, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, they, yeah, they already they're are doing steering. this. They're doing yeah, this. They're already steering by thing. wire. That's a fair point. With, yeah, the, a very with point. the Q50. I, I mm-hmm. read somewhere, I think a while back, and listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I read something where they came up with the the drive-by-wire steering, essentially, and customers aren't really thrilled about it, so they're going back a different mm-hmm. direction. Is that right? Did I read mm-hmm. something somewhere about that? I think, yeah, I think they're, I'm going to get it wrong, too, but I think they're they're creating other options than just, hey, thanks for buying an Infinity. Here's your steer-by-wire system. I think they're creating <laughs> variations and options. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. this is, I mean, you know, just imagine the getaway car, and from a top view, all the other cars could be, you know, this could be parting all the other cars and it would know the traffic like the, and yeah. shut Parts off. Parts it like the Red Sea. You're right. It would part it like yep. the Red Sea and, and all the other cars and you could control the cops. And you know this movie is coming. And it'll be cool oh, if yeah, it's yeah. done well. It'll be really yeah. cool. You, you, you hear me? I'm typing. I'm typing as we speak. <laughs> anyway. Slide yeah. your screenplay into Seriously. the door of an executive here soon. But yeah, I Seriously. mean, okay. So, so back to the topic is, yes, I need to get this fixed on my car. Will... Will this happen in the future? Certainly. If it can be hacked, as we've seen, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's banks, restaurants, yep. home improvement stores, you name it, if it can be hacked, they're going after it. And cars are the new frontier because of the way cars are going. This whole autonomous thing, you know, Apple is the unhackable thing. Well, they still, you know, that's not completely true. And no. you yeah, know exactly. hackers are going to go after this stuff. So. If there are ones and zeros flowing through its blood in any way, ones and zeros flowing through the blood of anything, it can be hacked and manipulated, and it will be. And I've told this story before. You and I have talked about it in, like, film circles, and and I'm going to get some of the details wrong, but I'm going to go back to my favorite story in the unhackable domain. It has nothing to do with cars, but it's the original DVD encryption. I'm going back 15 or so years now, but the original encryption for DVD, it actually was probably the late 90s, was supposed to be unhackable. Mm. So you couldn't make a copy of your, you could go buy, and not, not Blu-ray now, folks, DVD. You could go buy a, blue, a, a DVD of your movie and you couldn't make a copy of it because the encryption was too good and it was supposed to be unhackable. Have I, told, I think I've told you this before. Mm-hmm. Eventually, mm-hmm. it was broken and the code for how to break it was published online in like the early years of the internet. It was just, here's your free code to hack your DVDs. So of course, of course, the MPAA and everybody else goes crazy and tracks down the source of this code. And what they found was, this was in the news, what they found was an 11-year-old boy in Norway. The reason was, he was the person that hacked it. And his reasoning, he actually went to trial and it was dismissed. By the time it was dismissed, he was probably like 14 or 15. But it went to trial and was eventually dismissed because here's what they found. 11-year-old boy whose parents had a rule. You cannot take the DVDs from the downstairs TV room. But he had a computer <laughs> in his room. And he wanted to watch. This is true. He, oh they, he wanted to watch movies on his computer in his room. 11-year-old kid. But he couldn't make copies of the DVDs because they didn't work that way. And he couldn't have them leave his, the downstairs TV room. So he went on a personal quest to hack the code and he succeeded. And his, th- his thought process as an 11-year-old boy, and I have a 5-year-old, so I, th- I think also about, you know, who is this person? But his thought process <laughs> as an 11-year-old boy was, there mu- this is literally what happened. There must be other kids out there with this same problem. Yeah. And so he put the code online just thinking, this will help other people. 
And of course, the film studios go nuts because they think somebody's maliciously hacked. But the point is, wow. it's about time and effort and skill. Everything is hackable. So you have two choices. You can either disconnect from all technology and crawl under a rock or deal with the fact that hopefully this stuff will be at least on the right side of the law most of the time, which the equation you're in, you're not expecting that your Jeep is going to drive you into a ditch anytime soon. So you're going to go on and hope that that reality won't strike. I guess until I upgrade the software, I'll just avoid high mountain passes so nobody can you know, drive me off the cliff. I doubt that will happen, well, you, but yeah. You'll, you'll avoid you know guys I mean. on street corners with laptops. That's what you'll avoid. <laughs> yeah, imagine. I'll happily give to homeless people and beggars, but those crazy-looking guys hooded with laptops over there, avoid those guys because they're the going to get you. guys in a you. hoodie with a laptop and a cell phone, I'm in trouble now. I mean, I imagine anyway. this whole, you know, as more and more people talk about this Internet of Things or Internet of Connected Things, I mean, in the tech industry and software industry, that's all I hear about now. But yeah, I imagine yeah, yeah. a new television show, a new series, kind of like hearkening back to the robot wars where your internet-connected fridge does battle with your Jeep Grand Cherokee and then my 17-bladed <laughs> internet-connected razor jumps in and destroys everybody. And it could be a really cool yeah. reality show, but mm -hmm. that's in the future. I guess we live in the future already, so it can't be far off. It's frightening. Anyway. It's frightening. <laughs> now we just need flying cars. Speaking of cars, well, not necessarily flying ones, let's go into this first car debate before we get ourselves way down a rabbit hole. We could, uh, we let's could. talk about Jonathan. <laughs> You're right. It, this is frightening. Seriously, yes, we, we could just spend is. the rest of the podcast doing a screenplay. We could just build the screenplay right here. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, I'm almost and, seeing the movie in my head, and I'm not the film guy. This could be so buddy, I, cool. Here's here's the frightening thing. My my head's already so far down down the trail, I may not recover. <laughs> Uh, you may not, I may not be on the podcast anymore. I may be busy writing said screenplay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I'm going to try desperately to wrench my brain forward uh, to Jonathan writing to us in Montreal. Seriously, <laughs> writing to us in Montreal. And uh, he and his wife have owned a – he actually was a guy that was seriously into civics. He had four civics in a row. Yeah, this is A couple is, of which he tracked. Nuts. And uh, But now he and his wife have got more normal cars. He's got a Scion XB. He has a base Corolla for his wife. Uh, so, you know, um, actually, sorry, he got rid of his Scion XB, which he got originally f when his son was around. And then now he has a base Corolla and they also have a Toyota Echo. So they're Toyota folks or Honda folks. So they're Japanese big brand folks. But he says the older he gets, the more he wants something fun and the more he doesn't care what the brand is. Mm -hmm. So they yeah. have those two cars and they work and they commute and they're fine. They do all the, we have a little boy in our life. They do all that stuff. Great, but they're having a discussion where he and his wife want a fun car, and they want a convertible. Yeah. And so the discussion that they're having as a family is, okay, we want a convertible that we can take our son with us, so we're talking four-seat convertible now, and we want it to be it's, – it's a weekend summer car only. This is just a fun car. It's a, hey, it's a great day. Let's go for a drive as a family. They have $15,000 Canadian to work with, and if they stretch it, maybe 20 or so. So they could stretch for the right car. And his question was, we found two, the mid-2000s Mustang GT convertible and the, you know, same range Mitsubishi Eclipse GT convertible. What do you guys think? And then he says, as a side note, right before he signs off, he's like, by the way, where's the four-seater <laughs> S2000? Which is a fantastic question, and I'm sorry to say it does not exist. Although, so here we are. Well, aren't uh, Lotus Avoras technically a four-seater? They're not convertible, obviously, but, you know. But they're not convertible, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, I have to tease you just a tiny bit because in, in describing here, you were telling us that you have you had four Civics, tracked a couple of them, and then you needed a cheap, reliable commuter, so you went and got a Yaris. 
And I thought, well, didn't you just already own the cheap, reliable commuter in the Civic? Yeah, you already had a Civic. You're right. You're right. Am yeah, I yeah. wrong? And Yaris is kind of a yeah. All right. Well, whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, Civics, and uh, like Todd said, yeah, family and life has intervened, and I love that your wife wants it to be a convertible and a four seater. There yeah. are a few, I will say, um, non-American cars that fit this bill, but none that I can think of right now are going to be good for the purposes you need, the track part of the mm -hmm. equation. You know, I think of, well, uh, not, you know, I don't know Volvo. that they're going to track it, but they're certainly, they're certainly going to want to drive it, drive it hard and fun. Right. I, don't, I don't get a sense of track from this email, but this is a back road or oh, just a fun, you know, fun road car. Fun car. It's a okay, fun yeah, road yeah, car. Yeah. This is not a car that, that I don't know that you're going to be autocrossing, but at the same time, it's got to be something you can push on a back road and not feel like you're going to kill everybody. You're going to have fun with it, which I think is great. It's interesting because, uh, yeah, not that many car manufacturers make a four-seat convertible. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought of, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but that stupid Chrysler Sebring popped into my head and I went, ah! <laughs> and then I thought of the Volvo hardtop convertible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what was that? Um, the C70. C70 convertible, yeah. That was yeah. kind of cool, mm -hmm. not really a fun car, kind of a heavy-ish hardtop. And then I think, all right, BMW drive. makes yeah, exactly. stuff like that. But then I think, well, 15 to 20 grand tops. We're talking American cars. It's got to be a Mustang, a Camaro, something like that that you can yeah. still have yeah, fun, yeah, yeah. fun in. And um, Jonathan writes in and also suggests that uh, 2006 to 2011 Mitsubishi Eclipse GT. I, I've never driven it. Front-wheel drive. Not a huge fan of the styling, not a huge fan of the car, and besides the Evo, not a real huge fan of Mitsubishi's, and I know I'm going to get well, blasted for all the Eclipse owners that are writing in right now and say it's an amazing car, but, well, but, but I'm just here's, not convinced. But here's, no, no, no. I, I, here's the thing, though. The Eclipse was a great car. Early until on. You're the talking last generation, in the 90s, you mean? When it, when, uh, well, yeah, until the last generation when it became an also-ran. I mean, yeah, when they yeah, were yeah. doing those turbocharged, all-wheel drive, crazy, nutty eclipses. That was a really cool... In fact, that's a car we should fast blast because that's a really cool car that should get some coverage. But this last-generation eclipse follows the same rabbit trail... I'm on, I'm on rabbit trails tonight. F follows the same thing as everything else in the Mitsubishi lineup, which is leaving any kind of fun at the door and just headed toward blandness yeah. and leaving the Evo by itself. So that late... I, I can't I can't support the the Eclipse GT with you here Jonathan. I don't think it's fun enough. I think of the two you listed the Mustang GT and the Eclipse. I agree with you. I think the Mustang GT is the better choice of those two. You've got to look at the Camaro to see if you can get it for the same kind of money. Yeah, it's going to feel bigger something. bigger than the GT no question. It might feel too big, but it's going to have great attitude about it. You've got to look at that car. But I've got a couple others I thought of. Oh, you do. Okay, besides these mm -hmm. uh besides these two American cars? Yeah, but the two we've mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Have you right. got anything else? I'm I'm racking my brain right now just as far as because I'm trying to keep the price down. You know, I can think of that's the tough part. Easily the a bunch part. of different right. things, but again, mm -hmm. maximum budget is fifteen thousand Canadian, and that's like twelve yeah. ish well, American. 20 twenty k twenty k Canadian. Twenty k Canadian. The, the okay. actual max to reach. But here's the thing. I mean, we have to bring up the obvious one here that is kind of headed toward the right direction, which is the Audi A4. There's a four-seat convertible. Is it an overly uh, sporty car? Not really. It's still front-wheel drive. 
it's it's probably going to feel kind of special and kind of cool if you can get into one but the one you might get into might have a lot of mileage it might be problematic to maintain i, I again i'm saying might be you could be fine mm-hmm. but that's the question mark mm-hmm. there but it but it's an obvious one to mention here because it is this recipe it is a based on a almost performance car chassis it is four seats etc so you kind of got to put it with the gts and the camaros of the world but i have two others okay oh besides one that the I Audi. consider one that i consider a wild card and okay. one Look, Jonathan, I don't know that you can do this, but if you could go 25, it'd be my sniper shot. So I'm a tiny bit out of your range, but I've got a sniper shot if you can stretch. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Bring it. I'm very my, curious. My wild card, my wild card is a 90s Nissan 300ZX2 Plus 2. Now, you're already saying, wait a minute, that's not convertible. You're right, it's not, but it's in your budget. It would be a blast of a family car. I don't now, Jonathan. I'm also hoping that all of you and your family are not six foot seven. If you're, you know, normal sized people, <laughs> five eight to five ten, you're going to be fine, okay? But the thing is, that car has great t tops and a usable hatch. You could put your son, your wife, and yourself in a 300 ZX uh, two plus two with, you know, a picnic or whatever your fun activity is for the day is in the hatch. You could go for a drive. It would be a fun car to drive. It, the two plus two did not come in a twin turbo, so it's going to be the the slightly less engine, and it's going to be cheaper to maintain as a result. That would be just a all out. It's a wild card because it's not straight up convertible. It's it's T tops, but it would it, take the T tops off. Trust me, that is a fun car. I like that suggestion. Yeah, the T tops are interesting. That that kind of is a twist, which is cool. Um, I I I want to recommend the three series like a. A couple generations Uh back, I I want to. But I think from a maintenance standpoint, I mean, sure, you can find those cars for that price. Absolutely. But I just feel like from a maintenance standpoint, I think Jonathan and his family would come back to, you know, really not appreciate the recommendation, if you know what I mean. Well, but I think if you went back to naturally aspirated, potentially, I think if you went back to naturally aspirated E46 generation, so the early 2000s, That's E46, naturally aspirated, you'd be better off. I still don't think you'd be great. You've got, you bought a used German car, probably with decently high mileage. Be prepared for maintenance costs, but it might work out. That's a, that's a good thought. I think the E46 would be an interesting one to at least investigate. Let's see here. I'm looking right now on my favorite sites. And let's <laughs> see if they've got one. Just... Because I'm curious. It'll be in American dollars, of course. But I always find those yeah, E46s, and, and they're good-looking, and they're convertible. But I'm not talking But I'm not talking M3, either. I'm just talking no, straight No, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. But let me give you my uh, sniper shot, Jonathan. If if you could stretch no. beyond 20K, and you've said you probably can't, but if you could stretch beyond 20K to 25 or so, I'll tell you what I think does this perfectly. The G37, Infinity G37 Convertible. Ooh. Four seats, rear-wheel drive, 300-horsepower engine. It's a good-looking car. It's actually a hard-top convertible. Good one. If you can reach for that, that is my sniper shot and done. Good one. I like that. And, and, I, and I, candidly, the only reason it's not a sniper shot is because I, I honestly think it's probably just outside your budget. But I don't know your situation. Yeah. I don't know if there's 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 wiggle room. I looked on Canadian sites. Was finding them for twenty six to thirty. Was finding them. So 
you know, that look, I'm, I will acknowledge I'm 5k above your budget. I don't know what's possible. I don't know what your credit's like. I don't know what risk you want to take. But there is, I think, the perfect car for your needs, just above your budget. So I feel like I have to say it, but I know I'm out, out of range. So that's, that's, a, that's a dilemma. Good one. I'm liking that. And I'm not finding the three series that I want. I'm looking for that E46. Because no I really want to recommend no that. But I kind of feel like mm -hmm. it'd be in the same price range as the car you're talking about. And no, I think I think uh, it's I think the I, the non M threes the non M threes are bound to have come down to his. They've level. got to come I, down. I, think, I suppose. I just yeah, I, I like your have. recommendation better because it's Japanese, honestly, and it's probably going to be a little bit easier on the wallet sure. from a maintenance standpoint. And so I think that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. like it better than than my BMW. I, I keep trying to go there just from an enthusiast standpoint, mm -hmm. but I just uh, I, I can't. And honestly, can't. Jonathan, don't don't overlook that three hundred ZX. Give that car a worthwhile look because you could get one with money left over probably and have a genuine fun car for the family. It's cool. He went all the way back to T-tops because nobody does T-tops anymore. It's just not a nobody thing. Nobody does T-tops. And, and, but, but, you know, I would say in many ways it is everything you like about the convertible experience. So I, I, think, I think it's worth looking at. I think it's worth looking at. Good one. Good one. I like it. All right. Well, uh, jump into the second car debate. This is Heather from Miami, and I'm so glad she yep. wrote in because she wrote us a litany of stuff, and this is really interesting. <laughs> the stories in here are cool. great, and, and it's there's a lot in here. And I will say just up front, I'm guessing from what she wrote in is that she's really considering new because of yes, a few the things. Budget and what she's doing. Oh, yeah, budget yeah, and maintenance too. and a few things. And here's the thing. I, I loved I absolutely loved her sentence. Do you have any recommendations that meet my speed and comfort and high mileage lifestyle? If you have a high mileage lifestyle, here's the car we recommend for you. Exactly. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I love I love your used car dealer voice there. Bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I've been working on that. Um Hope to not use it anytime soon. But yeah, Heather. Yeah, nicely done. Yeah. Heather is, uh, she's in Miami. She's driving 20,000 miles a year every week for mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. And she's saying here it's probably a 60-40 city highway. So less time on the highway. And yep. yeah, we feel but your lots pain of, about the traffic down there. Lots of bumper to bumper. I mean, bumper to bumper South Florida. It's your only car at under 45,000. But 45,000, Heather, is a good budget oh yeah this she's is very owned healthy all kinds yeah. of things she's owned all kinds of things i mean i can't believe the range i mean she's had a, a civic coupe mm -hmm. she's had a gti yep. she's had a mercedes c300 and her current car is a 2014 lexus is 250 which is the base engine of the current is right and and owning a 2014 that's a fairly new car right now and so that's what yeah. kind of made me think all right if you're owning a 2014 and you want to get out of that. And I thought, oh, why don't you lease something? Nope, you can't lease because you're driving too many miles. So yeah, it, you've got to buy. It. And not worth it. That's, the, that's what led me to thinking Heather wants something new here. So yeah. I'm, I'm all about that. And I've got a couple of things, but here's what Heather says. She loves the Lexus and is the best car she has owned so far. But it's mm -hmm. a little too slow, so she's considering the 2016 IS350 F Sport which I will say right off the bat, yes, we love the F Sports. We drove the 2015 yeah. F Sport, the, but the brilliant fun -Sport, car. If yes. she wants to upgrade to that car, I think she'd be very, very happy. I think the things that are 
toning down the IS 250 for her and making it a little bit less than she'd like. I think, honestly, Heather, I think 90% of that it would be solved by just stepping into the IS 350 F Sport. I think that's a great choice. What I like about your request, though, is you acknowledge the fact that you kind of feel like a girl racer. You just like to drive fast and you like to drive things hard. And so, and you've never bought the same brand twice. Yeah. So you, you yeah. wanted to make a real point of the fact that considering another Lexus for you is huge and speaks to how much you've enjoyed the brand. So I wanted to give you some non-Lexus options because uh, qu quite, fr quite frankly, I could say to you, yes, IS to the uh, up to great date to the IS 350 F Sport, call it a day, done, you'll be happy, congratulations. I could say that and wouldn't bat an eye. But I want to give you other options as well. She wants minimum maintenance costs, which is a big factor in the discussion here. True. Because, you know, I again, I, I keep coming back to BMW. I want to say go for a E90 Series M3, just slightly used, get a really nice one for forty five grand. But if you're putting that kind of high miles, hard miles, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to be paying for the maintenance. It'll do it. Don't get me wrong. The car will do it. It'll be happy just fine. Of course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you've got to put the money into maintenance. And so that's why I keep coming back to the Japanese thought and mm -hmm. we, we had that um, that triumvirate, that trio of cars, the Cadillac, the Lexus yeah. and the yeah. new three series. And mm -hmm. the Cadillac was great. But again, based on what you do, Heather's a lawyer. She can't, said it can't be too crazy. She's OK. Sedan or coupe. So, you know, she's open to that. She's mm -hmm. also open to SUV, that kind of thing. But for her, she sounds sporty and cool and fun. And so I, mm -hmm. even though the Cadillac's yeah. cool, I've got to say a cute girl in a hot car does it even more for me. So I, yeah. I've got to say, eh, maybe not the Cadillac. That's why I keep coming back to this F Sport because it's, that's mm -hmm. the hotness right there. That is money. I like that car but you know a lot. What? You know what? I'm going to step to the side for a second and say, Heather, what about the Cadillac ATS though? And what about the ATS Coupe? It's a good-looking car. Yeah. Oh, it is. I was thinking about that. Good was... handling. Excellent handling. You know, it's got a, a good group of colors. I, I, I look. I'm a color on a car guy anyway, but I love that car in red. It looks fantastic in red. Don't yeah. get it in the weird champagne metallic thing we had in our <laughs> test car. Please don't do that. But but the ATS Coupe. You know what? You can get decent engines in it. The handling is fantastic. Now look, you're commuting in South Florida. I don't know. The handling is going to matter much. But that is a car with real presence and real style. It might not be your style, but it has both of those. It's worth looking at. And, you know, I had a couple other thoughts because she lists, this is funny, Heather lists her dream garage in here. She says if money were no object, she'd have a Tesla Model S, a Maserati Gran Turismo, and a Lexus RCF. That's an interesting garage that is in some ways informative to some of the options here. Yeah, that is and, pretty cool. you know, uh, the th the thing I will say about your Lexus experience, it's the same as many people's, and that is the minute they have a Lexus, which just runs and runs well, and then when they have to get service, the service is great and the people are nice, a lot of people are like, I'm only going to own a Lexus. You're not alone. That's very common. But I'd love to get you out of that into something else. Um, I don't, I don't know if you can... it out there. All right. Uh... What about a 997 Porsche 911? Yeah, nine nine seven. You can get one for forty five grand. It'll you be can get one mileage. easily for forty. You could get no, no, like a base one, like a like a let's say an 07 or an 08. It's not a new car, but those cars can handle the mileage. It will be reliable. It will be expensive to maintain. I will acknowledge. Yeah, it's still going to be, be money reliable for maintenance. For for forty five grand. So I mean, here's the thing: if you if 
Heather, if you're wanting to go with a warranty, then obviously my recommendation is out. But I just wanted to think of something out of the box for you. And I do honestly think a 911, a 997, which is the generation prior to the current one, get yourself a base Carrera. That car will have plenty of power. I bet you, based on your driving uh, experience so far, it'll be the best car you've ever driven. I bet you it will be. And, you know, a, a lawyer in a base 911, that's kind of standard issue, isn't it? I mean, they drive three series. They drive Seriously, they drive three series. You drive Lexus, you drive 911s, and you drive uh, Range Rovers. Isn't that kind of the parking lot? Upon of completion of your bar office? exam and successfully passing seriously. it, you just get a Porsche. They just hand one to you as you leave the but, building, I think. They, they punch I mean, your card, hand you a certificate, and hand you a Porsche. Awesome. I think it's worth I think it's worth driving. And I say that because the 911 is in a weird category, I feel like, in public perception. If you drive a Cayman or you drive a 918, you are a person with a ton of money showing off and you're a car person. If you drive a 911, you might be that, but you also just might be a person who went, oh, I like that car. So, you know, hmm. people that a lot of people that that make really good money in a nice business job that aren't really into cars drive 911s. I don't feel like they turn people's heads as, I can't believe you bought that, like a lot of other cars could, okay? So I feel like the 911 doesn't get into an I'm a lawyer drives a 911 doesn't seem too crazy to me. Um, I like that. 997. I 997 like that. too. I'm going to say you're going to have to work hard to fit that budget and a 997.2 car to avoid any IMS issues to you know, get the upgrades that they did, the improvements to that car, because you're going to sure. be putting miles on that thing. So I would not recommend the early 997.1 cars. We've got friends and we've heard some stories. And again, we've addressed this before. Not that it happens. Unlikely, but, unlikely, but it exists. Uh, but I it exists, and especially if you're doing the high mileage thing. On the other hand, mileage can be a very good thing for a car. It's generally the Porsches that aren't driven that are garage queens and sit around. Those are the cars that have problems. True. You need to drive and I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge. I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that the IMS issue typically was track related. Typically, so, yes, yes. You know, not always, and it, and it's not common anyway. Let's put that out there again. It's not a common reality. There is a fix for it. So even if you found a 997 Generation One, you know, 997.1, which would be the 05, 06, maybe 07s. Maybe I forget when the when the break seven. happens. There was something um, in mid year in there, I think. But uh, you, yeah, you get one of those. You could definitely get one of those for your budget. I think it's worth looking at. I know I'm not in the obvious choices here, but I feel like that's one. That and the ATS Coupe are my two that I say to Heather, go drive them. Hmm, I like that. I'm I'm down with that. Of course, Porsche, anything 911, I like. Heather, I'm going to swerve and throw something in there that might be, if the 911, you just say, it's too flashy, too, just says something about you that you don't want it to say, although I love the idea. And for you, you're not buying it because of the badge. You're buying it because of your driving and your habits and your, you love cars. And so you're, mm -hmm. you're buying it because you would appreciate it, not because yeah. the reason most people would buy a Porsche. I get that. But I'm going to swerve and I'm going to go over to this Volvo S60 Polestar that's got a boatload of performance in a very unassuming package, all-wheel drive, lots mm. of horsepower. The Polestar brand was recently acquired fully by Volvo, just like uh, AMG was back in the late 80s, early 90s. You've got quite the, a left turn here. It is. It's the, now the performance division of Volvo, and they sell it mm -hmm. on the website here. So this limited edition Volvo S60 Polestar, the S60 starts at like 33-something, all-wheel drive, gobs of power. I think this mm. could be something interesting that says something 
you wouldn't see yourself coming and going. And that's kind of True. what intrigued me about this car. It's good looking. It's It's got a lot of tuning done to it from the factory because of this Polestar performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All-wheel drive, turboed. I think this could be a consideration. I, I'm trying to look around for a price here. I'd have hmm. to build one out. I think it's above her budget. I think that's I oh, think it is. It's closer to sixty. It is close to sixty. All right. Well, shoot. Um, back to Lexus. I liked your left turn though. Fantastic. <laughs> so, how do you feel about Lexus, Heather? So no, that's Lexus. <laughs> no, I I just was trying to stretch a little bit, but you know, you could go mm-hmm. a couple year old S60. You know, the T5s are pretty quick and every time we get yeah. in a volvo we go hmm this is interesting how come we never really yeah. think about this car it's very conservative and buttoned down in terms of the image that it projects but that yeah. might be a good thing the cadillac is probably second the lexus is still flashy i mean the styling is definitely aggressive and and head turning Absolutely. so no no question no i, question I like it I, i'm kind of back to the lexus heather i'm sorry that was 60 grand that's a little bit of a surprise but all right maybe go a couple year old Something or other. Uh, unless you want to spend sixty grand, and you can, and then you'll, I mean, it'll be nearly as quick, and you'll scare Porsches, which could be interesting and cool. Funny. So, Funny. All right, things to think about. But I enjoyed the left turn. I enjoyed the left turn. <laughs> hopefully something grand? in there. What the? So, something in there, Heather, hopefully has been helpful. We, we, we've kind of drifted off into the weeds, I feel like. So I'm going to wrench us back and say, <laughs> if you have not rated this podcast, Go to iTunes, give it a a rating of stars, and also give it a comment. Both of those things do help us get into the top 10 of automotive podcasts. And that top 10 is littered with big names. So every time we're up there, that is quite a throwdown on our part. We're little, but we're growing. If you have people that you know that listen to automotive podcasts or podcasts of any kind, please pass this on to them because we bet they'll enjoy it. And we want to hear from you. You have a car debate, write us everyday driver TV at Gmail. If you'd like your car on a fast blast, try that through Facebook. Yes. Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. We are slash everyday driver. Yeah, this is great. At least we're having fun. Hopefully you are too. And, uh, you know, want to be uh, a little bit entertaining in there, but generally the the idea is to help you listening, help you find cars that you're really going to love. And that's the reason we started doing this. And, you know, if you listen to the, podcast from last week that's the whole reason that's the whole point because we're having fun and people are loving you're writing in and saying hey i got such and such car it was right in line Mm -hmm. and hopefully it helps so when you do when you end up purchasing something and it whether or not it agreed with what we recommended or not write us in because occasionally we will come back on the air and say you know, hey, here's what folks bought, and it, it's fun to share that mm-hmm. with listeners. And uh, if you're so inclined, we do have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash everydaydriver, and that money, yep. that do, those donations just go straight back into shooting because we've got a lot planned for the rest of the year, a lot of fast bus stuff Huge. already in the can, yeah, yeah, yeah. shooting well, like and crazy. Some- and some big comparison outside yeah, of the fast blast. Some yeah. big comparison road trip craziness going on that we can't even fully share yet. But wow, okay, it's, it's coming. And uh, yeah, the whole point is to better help inform you and us and help you decide what's fun to drive. Because just like Heather here, I mean, she's spending a lot of time in your cars. I mean, we all are. And you know, mm-hmm. so really, what do you have that suits my high mileage lifestyle? What do you have on the showroom floor? That's what you're writing in about, which I love. (laughs) All right. I'm done ranting. This is good. (laughs) Thank you, guys and girls, for listening as always.